Hi, welcome to Digging, the only podcast focused solely on infrastructure and the heavy civil construction industry. I'm your host, Taylor Maurer, Senior Managing Partner at HCRC, Heavy Civil Resource Consultants. In this podcast, we explore challenges faced in the industry, investigate the effects of politics, the economy, trends, including stories of success and stories of failure. It is our goal to provide interesting and informative discussions to help educate heavy civil construction professionals to be more successful and to cultivate the industry as a whole. So let's dig in. All right, today on the podcast, we have Matt Graves. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Matt is the founder and creator of Construction Yeti, which is a blog and podcast. Um, He's doing really good work over there, and I'm really excited to share some. Um, He is a graduate of uh, Texas A&M University with a civil engineering degree and has been working in construction well i don't know how long so i'll let him talk about that a little bit welcome to the show matt hey what's up taylor how you doing man good thanks for having me on well yes um matt tell tell me how how did you get into construction or what what point in your life did you say this is what i want to do uh when i was in high school I, i i did some work with my dad my dad does like underground um you know, fiber optics installation, directional drilling and trenching and whatnot. And so when I was in high school, I worked the summers with him um, doing that. So I kind of got my feet wet. And then one summer, um, him and his business partner actually bought a house. And we spent the summer basically flipping a house to remodeling it to flip it, right? And so there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We, we've roofed it. We've changed all the flooring out. So I got a, a lot of taste of a lot of that sort of stuff. And I left that summer and decided, like, I want to be a custom home builder. That's what I want to do. And I went to Texas A&M, and for some reason, I thought civil engineering was the path to be a custom home builder, because when you're 18, 19 years old, you don't really understand <laughs> things. And so, um, anyway, I got through halfway through engineering school, and I was like, man, I do not want to be an engineer. And so I tailored my degree towards construction management. And then when I graduated, I kind of been doing construction management ever since, and uh, never never went the custom home building route. I don't really have any interest in it now, but... That's kind of what led me into it anyways. Well, let me ask you this. If you're going to do it over again and, and go into custom home building, what what kind of education or experience do you think would have best suited you to uh, follow through with that initial dream? You know, not really sure. Probably maybe some sort of construction science, maybe more of a, more of a business degree. Um I don't know. I don't. I haven't really done any residential since I've been. I've been doing all commercial. Um, so I honestly am not real sure what the path is to that. I think a lot of those guys just kind of come up through the trade and stuff. So sure, yeah. Uh, the school of hard knocks, and then go get a general contractor's license, and boom, they're in business, right? I'd imagine so. Um, but again, I'm not real familiar with the residential side. It's a whole new man. Construction is such a such a massive industry that <laughs> you can spend your whole career and you don't even hardly know anything. So it's like, I don't know, hardly know anything about residential side of things. Yes. Yep. And nor do I really, I mean, our focus here is more on the civil side of, of the coin. And, and I know you just mentioned uh, that most of your career has been spent on the commercial side. Correct. So, um, so a, a bit different, but at the core there's constructions, construction, right. And, um, and I really, really love your um, blog and podcast, Construction Yeti. I think I saw on a recent blog, you just passed uh, over 500 subscribers. Do you, where, where are you guys at now? Yeah, on the, um, it's a, it's a blog slash newsletter. It, it lives on, it's on Substack. So familiar with Substack is, it's kind of a subscriber based blogging newsletter type site. Um, but yeah, we just, we just passed a thousand subscribers on there. Um, we just celebrated our 50, 52nd episode. So it was our one year mark. Um, so that's on the, on the whole construction Yeti Substack, And then it also hosts our uh, podcast, the CM mentors podcast that me and my buddy Kyle Grandel have been doing for 19 episodes now. And um, that just, we just hit 2000 downloads on that. So it's, it's starting to starting to pick up a little steam there. Kind of the growth chart on that one is kind of doing a upward 
gross chart, so it's cool to see. What blows yeah, my mind on that one, want. what blows my mind on that one too, is there's been downloads in 44 different countries. Honestly, I don't need, I can't even name 44 countries. Like, it's wild. So it's, it's been cool. That, that's great. That's amazing. When did, when did you decided that, uh, that you were going to dedicate yourself to, to, to doing the blog and podcast, the newsletter and podcast? Um, so back in, you know, I'm always Googling something and I, I, I've always like, I kind of worked for real small companies kind of through my career. And a lot of times, you know, it, you've just kind of had to teach yourself stuff. And I've just kind of been Googling something, YouTube, something and kind of learning a lot of stuff as I go. And, um, you go on there, you go on Google and, you know, you're searching for something and there's not a lot of really great information on Google sometimes aside from the basics. And so you end up on some sort of blog on some sort of general contractor's website or say a subcontractor's website. And you're reading the blog, you're like, whoever wrote this is probably some marketing person who doesn't know anything about construction, right? They're just wrote some blog, the SEO to their, to their website. Or you end up like on a Reddit forum and you're trying to read through Reddit, trying to figure out like what's real and what's BS and what's good and what's legitimate. <laughs> and so I, in spring of, or it's really January of 2020, I had an idea to create constructionyeti.com, which was going to be a blog. And um, it was going to be just kind of sharing stuff that I know and really kind of written kind of from a construction manager, kind of for construction managers, right? Like somebody actually is in the business and knows what they're talking about, um, kind of just share some stuff. And um, started that in January 2020, and then you know March of 2020, the whole world shut down with COVID. Um, we were on a community college project, and so they sent basically the college closed down. We were supposed to be working on a you know an operating college, and they shut down the college, basically sent everybody home except for us. We're like, we don't know if this is going to last a week, a month, six months. Um, if you remember those days, like no one really knew what was happening, so we kind of went into overdrive because it was like, hey, we got free reign in the college. There's not students walking everywhere. And so our project ramped up uh, being in Texas, um, you know, COVID construction was an essential activity and stuff. So we would just, you know, pedal to the metal, let's go. And so this whole little project that started in January just went out the window. I stopped working on it, but I had like 10 or 12 articles on there. And a year or two later, I was looking at the Google analytics of it. I was like, Man, this thing's getting quite a bit of traffic now. Like Google's ranked them and it's up on the, you know, for the articles are on the first page of Google and stuff and getting quite a bit of traffic. I think like, I need to revamp this. Um, and I saw some people doing these like newsletters more like that. I was like, that'd be kind of cool. And it'd be shorter and it's kind of, um, you kind of get more instant feedback. Cause I don't know if you know much about like playing Google SEO and trying to get on Google for you to get your stuff up there. It's a, it takes some time for Google to like know you and trust you and you're writing an article and it may take six, nine months for you to get any traffic to even know if you're, what you're writing is any good. Right. Sure. Um, so then I started this, just found Substack and I was like, ah, oh, this would be cool. It's kind of a blog slash newsletter too. So um, I did that and started, really started marketing sort of on LinkedIn, just kind of talking about it. And, um, so that's really kind of the genesis of that anyway. Awesome. That's great. And you recently put out something that I think is absolutely brilliant. And that is 25 hacks to win as a young construction professional in 2023. And I would love to, uh, to dive into that a little bit. I think, um, I mean, it, it is just, it's fantastic. Uh, I, I think it's an essential list for every listener of this podcast or anyone in construction for that matter to, um, to read and, and even to print and have hanging on their fridge or somewhere that they will, <laughs> That they get, they're going to put their eyes on it frequently. And I mean, even 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 somebody um, in, in the trenches, if, if you're going to have a career in construction, I think that these don't just relate to a construction executive or or somebody that is coming out of engineering school. I really feel like that uh, for the most part, they they re, they relate to anyone who's out there um, building things. Um, it, and number one, I cannot stress the importance <laughs> of is read the beeping contract. I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, if there's anything that you should know uh, in construction is read the contract. I actually just the other day was talking to a consultant who was working with a company that has a one, I think it's around $1.8 billion P3 project, um, transportation related, uh, I'll leave everything unmentioned here, but, um, 
he, he said, you know, they were paying me basically to read the contract for them because they had not read the contract yet. And uh, to imagine that uh, even if they're not self-performing any of that work, that even though that, you know, they're finan financing it and the, cons the construction manager on the project to, to have not, to not have it dialed in is, was pretty mind blowing to me. Yeah. Um, when, how, how many days into your career were you when you learned that that was probably <laughs> one of, if not the most important, one of the most important things? Probably way longer than it should have been. <laughs> I think that applies to everybody. Um, actually that RTFC read the F and contract. It came from, I was actually in a project manager's Institute course, like a week long class. And they have like a, somebody come in and do something in the morning and then something in the afternoon, the morning and afternoon, something like that. And they had a, I think it was a construction law attorney came in and basically that's the whole whiteboard. That's just, he wrote that RTFC on the whiteboard and basically his four hour lecture or whatever you call it was basically about that. Um, just about, you know, his experience, people not understanding the contract, reading the contract and everything else. It's like, people don't understand that, you know, it's like, well, this is how we always do it. I'm like, well, you signed the contract, so you got to do what this paper says, right? I don't know how many times I've heard that. It's like, well, this is the way we always do it. I'm like, well, your specs say to do this and your specs are in your contract. And so it's always kind of funny too, like when a younger, um, project engineer, assistant project manager, somebody's like, what do I do here? I'm like, I don't know. What's the contract say to do? And you're like, what do you mean? Like, I, I can tell you what I think you should probably do, but that thing's going to tell you what exactly to do in this situation. So those are always fun conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then there are those instances where you're like, well, this needs to be done, but it, often if you don't know what the contract says, you end up doing additional work that you're not going to actually get compensated for. Uh -huh. um, or that's, uh, you know, chipping it away at the, the, the little bit of profit that you're able to sneak into, <laughs> to the, to the bid. Right. So um, yeah. You know, it's not very... always work. I was gonna say, it's not always like work in place either. Like on the project side, you know, sometimes it's like, Hey, you got to update your schedule and give me an updated schedule weekly, you know, and that's yeah. in the contract. And, you know, when you go talk to the general contractor, whoever, say, hey, you know, I, I need my weekly update. Like, well, what are you talking about? We update it monthly with a pay application. I'm like, your contract says you're going to do weekly contract or schedule updates. And they're like, well, what are you talking about? You know, those sort of things. You're like, man, did you read your contract? Like, it's in there. <laughs> it's in there. That's right. That's right. Um, another one that really related to me and i think uh this goes not just the construction industry but but really any industry is you know at some point somebody's going to get upset with you you're probably going to get yelled at don't take it personally right i mean it's a good lesson for any of us <laughs> to learn certainly happens in our profession uh we catch somebody on the bad day or or whatnot and they're not too happy to receive a call from us or, or whatever and and i mean you just can't take it personally. And it have I know that happens in construction all the time. Uh, it's a pretty high stress industry. And, um, and so I, I know it happens even though I don't see it happen. Um, yeah. That's why did I say, and that was, that made at least number five. I don't know if these are listed as, uh, as what you thought was most important, uh, but. They kind of were, but then at some point I was just, rambling list um but no it's i mean it's definitely one of the more important ones um and honestly when i put this list out that was probably the most controversial one on there in the comment section because I, I i put the the whole list initially in the newsletter one week and then i put it in the linkedin and it, it went viral on linkedin like it's been i don't know how many thousand shares it has now but it's got like over six hundred thousand impressions like the whole list it went it got hot so um Anyway, that was by far the most controversial one where everyone's saying, I disagree with this one. I disagree with this one. Like the yelling shouldn't happen. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not vouching and saying it should happen, but it's a super stressful job. Like you're going to catch people on the wrong side. Like you're going to get yelled at. It happens. Um, and you just got to understand that like sometimes there's an old grumpy superintendent on the job site. He's having a bad day. He's going to yell at you about something. But like that guy too is probably going to be the one when you show interest, if you're coming up and really wanting to learn, that guy's probably going to be the guy too that's going to take you under his wing and like really try to show you the ropes too. So 
um, you know, those are the ones that are like the most passionate with what they're doing and everything else. So. Um, the following one, number six, every day you'll hear something you don't know what it means. Write it down, go Google it. Very simple, but so many people don't put a thought into that. They just, uh, they may be like, well, what is that? They get a very simplified answer or something they can at least operate on. And then they don't, don't ever think about it again. So that one was really, so when I first started out, I graduated and I went to work for a kind of federal contracting, especially subcontractor. And we did uh, like security, security barriers, a lot of crash rate product uh, project products for like military bases, FBI buildings, any sort of high security government facility. And anyway, so we were, you know, doing Army Corps work, NAFAC work and all these entities, right? And everyone has different acronyms and different names for something. And there's acronyms of acronyms. <laughs> so you're sitting in meetings, you know, at 23 years old or however old it was. And like, one, I don't understand construction at all because I just graduated college. Two, you're saying a whole bunch of acronyms and words I don't know. So like I would just sit in meetings and just on like on the margin of my paper, just write down everything I didn't know. Right. Like they said this, they said this, they said this. And then I'd go back and Google it. So at least the next meeting, at least I know what this acronym stood for. And um, I mean, I still do that today where if I'm in a meeting or something, I'll Google it. Or, um, And it sent me down so many rabbit holes of learning because you, you Google like, what does this acronym mean? And then you go Google that and you're like, okay, what does that mean? And next thing you know, like you, you just went down a whole rabbit hole and just of like of learning and figuring something out. And so um, I've learned so much just just that that tip right there alone. Absolutely. I've, I have fallen in many of those rabbit holes as well, um, <laughs> especially when it comes to geotechnical construction, uh, under, under understanding the different methods of piles and pile driving. Um, I, I find it absolutely fa fascinating. Um, uh, the next, the next two kind of have to do with each other, ask for honest feedback and constructive criticism, and then actually do something with that feedback. Can you give us a, a, an example that really stands out in your mind of, of when that's happened with you? Um, you know, especially like, so I've always worked for kind of smaller companies, generally speaking, right? And smaller companies, you know, they may have all the best intention in the world. They want to train their people. They want to grow their people. They want to do all these sort of things, but they're small. Right. And like their owner could even be operating or managing projects and stuff, too. Right. And so um, even if they have the best intentions, everyone's hair is on fire. And then the first thing to fall is kind of the mentoring and those sort of things. And so if you're really wanting to kind of grow your career, it's like sometimes you just got to go solicit your own feedback. Right. Like, hey, how am I doing? Like, can we sit down, have lunch and talk about how this went? Um, you know, maybe like you're leading a meeting. Right. And like when you're leading a meeting for the first time, maybe a little nervous and you, know, you don't really. You kind of need somebody to review the game tape with you, right? Like sitting in the corner and say, hey, how did it go? Like, how did this? Well, you could have done this better. You could have done that better. Um, and so, you know, I said honest feedback and constructive criticism because, you know, you don't, if they just say, yeah, you're doing good, it doesn't help you at all, right? Everyone always has room to grow, especially when you're starting out. Um, so sometimes, like, you need to know, like, hey, you suck at this. Or, you know, you got to have that real honest feedback. Um and then I've been in a trap too, where like, I'm, I'm always looking for feedback. I always kind of want to know how to grow. Like, how am I doing? Like, cause perception is reality. You could think you're killing it too, but if everybody else thinks you suck, like, no, you suck because <laughs> perception is the reality. Um, and so, you know, especially when you're busy, it's like, you can get feedback, right. But unless you're real intentional about making a change to do something about it, it's really easy to say, ah, oh, you need to work on this. Like, oh, perfect. I'll work on that. And the next thing you know, you just, the phone rings or emails pile up and you're, you know, down the road again. So um, the actually doing something with the feedback is kind of the tricky part of it too. Um, Cause you have to be real intentional with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in construction, uh, everybody is so busy. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those jobs where you're often just prioritizing, reprioritizing, depending on what, you know, what's the thing that needs the most atten attention. And I think most of the time, e even though managers or even like com company culture, they, they want, they try to encourage feedback to engineers, younger engineers and, and, and help them grow. 
but because everybody is so busy that you, you like you said, you have to go solicit often solicit it yourself. Nobody, mm-hmm. it's going to be really difficult for somebody to have the where for all to say, Oh, I need to give feedback on this right now. Or because unless you're absolutely doing something wrong, then you're typically not getting feedback. If you're doing something right. 60% correctly, then it might be enough where you're not really going to get the feedback that, uh, that you need. We, you know, we've, we try to encourage um, individuals to seek out mentorships. And we think that trying to have a more formalized mentorship is a great way to get feedback. Now, sometimes your mentor is not in your company and, and that's where, a lot of times, you know, seeing that daily, your daily progress, your daily work is where you're going to get the best feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more that you, you really need to go out there and solicit it. Because even in, if, if your mentor is not your boss or somebody that's working with you daily or, or at least exposed to that fairly frequently, then you're, you're, you're just not going to get it probably. You're going to, you need to go out there and ask for it. Um, we actually, I was just thinking about this too. So, uh, on our podcast, we just had Alex Vachera on and he wrote the business athlete and a lot of his stuff, he's comparing sports analogies to business. Right. And we were talking about something very similar and he brought up, you know, um, we were talking about, you know, annual reviews and like, you know, a lot of people do annual reviews, but a lot of times, you know, you're sitting there and both it's kind of painful, right? Unless you have a real good culture or a good relationship of that. Both people are just kind of like, yep, 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 let's get out of here as fast as we can and go, you know, let's get out of here. Um, but also, it's, you know, I was thinking about what we're sitting there talking about. I was like, in the sports metaphor, sports analogy world, you know, in professional baseball is 162 games. That's a long season. If you only watch game film at the end of the season, like in an annual review, like you're only going to be thinking about the last five games or 10 games, maybe. You're, you can't remember the rest of the year. And so when you're only doing an annual review and that's the only feedback you're getting, like they can only like your manager or your whoever is only going to remember the last month, maybe. Or if you really screwed something up three months ago, that'll be on their mind. But, you know, you got to be a lot more, um, a lot, you know, more often than that. So, yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, and again, I, I feel like, especially for younger engineers, you just got to be proactive and, um, you know, whether that's, uh, Hey, you know, let's, let's grab a bite to eat after work one day this month or making an opportunity with your supervisor where they can deliver that. And, and, you know, if it, if it costs you a meal, it will pay back probably, you know, tenfold, if not more, um, to, to get, to bend their ear and really get their, their feedback. And they're going to remember that too. Oh yeah. So yeah, if you're, I think especially if you're showing the willingness to want to improve, right. If you say, Hey, how can I do better? Like, even if they're busy, they're worth their salt. They'll spend the extra time with you because they see you want it. Right. So they'll say, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you, if you have a habit of asking, then they'll probably start building that relationship and then they'll start giving you real time feedback as you're going as well. So and then hopefully that comes up at the end of year review too, right? When you're yeah. uh, getting a raise or promotion <laughs> or, or whatnot. Um, listen more than you talk. Number 10. Um, yeah, that reminds me of something Dale Carnegie would say, and that is uh, somebody else that you, you quote uh, here in, in the list. Um, I think that uh especially as a, as a younger engineer, um, that it, you, you need to, you need to spend time listening and, and not just talking about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> where, where did that come from? Where did, where did, where did, why did that resonate with you so much? Um, and it's just, people talk too much. <laughs> they need to listen more. Um, you know, you sit in meetings sometimes, you know, like the owner's meetings or whatever. You sit in meetings, like everybody has to say something. Like not everybody has to say something. Like let's just, you know, you need to listen more. And especially if you're, this is really targeted towards kind of, you know, sort of the next generation, especially the next generation. Like, you know, absorb as much as you can. Listen to everyone you can, right? There's going to be, you're going to be on job sites and there's going to be people with 
decades of experience, whether in the office, in the field. I mean, the trade subcontractors, the foremen, like you're going to learn a lot from people if you listen. But if, if you're always yapping your mouth and not you know, opening your ears, you're not going to learn quite as much. I, uh, I also like number 17, you will make mistakes. No biggie. Just try not to make the same one twice. And that is essentially, I mean, that's pretty standard for anyone, right? I mean, learn learn from your mistakes don't let them repeat themselves uh, people get people get so wrapped up in making mistakes because i mean the construction industry if you make a mistake people could die right um it's there's a it's a high stakes game at, at times but this is really kind of for both the entry level guys and the kind of the more senior guys you know obviously you need to give the more entry level guys enough rope that they can handle, right? You're not going to have some entry-level engineer out there making a, a critical crane lift plan, you know, which if it goes wrong, it's going to go big wrong. Um, but give them enough. And you know, so if they make a mistake, they can learn from it. Um, you know, I don't know about most people, but I feel like most people, I mean, I learn by doing. Um, I can only read so many textbooks, right? You, you, get, you do college, you get out, and you still don't know anything. You got to go through the paces. You got to make mistakes. You got to skin your knees. You got to get back up and do it again. Um, but, I think the culture needs to embrace a, the idea of like, Hey, it's okay to make mistakes. Just let's keep going. Right. Just fix your mistake and keep going. Some people I've seen so many people, especially when they're starting out, just get paralyzed by the fear of making the wrong decision or making a mistake. And it's like, you just gotta talk, talk, the clock, the clock's ticking. You gotta, you gotta do something. Let's go. And I think that that is the one that you actually mentioned as well is that, um, you have to make, you got to be able to make a decision, yeah. right, wrong, or indifferent. You've got to be able to make and execute a decision. Um, I mean, not saying that you can't ask for guidance or oh, advice or feed or feedback from your team before the decision is made, but you've got to be able to make it. Um, exactly. Um, I mean, gather the information, right, but make the best decision you can with the information you have. But I've seen just people get paralyzed again with just uh, – and, I, I mean, I've been bad about it um, kind of, and it's something I've intentionally been working on. Like, you can't just sit there and dwell on it. you got to make a decision and move. And if it's the wrong decision, well, pivot and do something different. And um, But you got to keep moving forward. Um, you know, all construction projects, they've got a, they've got a duration. And the longer you sit around not making a decision, you know, they'll start costing real money for people. So – Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, be respectful to everyone always um, from the CEO to the day laborer picking up trash. Uh, I feel like maybe that's sometimes easier for the guys that come up in the field because they've been there, you know, uh, maybe not, maybe they forget. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, but, um, but yeah, I think that that is, uh, you know, that's a life lesson, not just in construction, but uh, just one one for life, really. Um, number 20, realize you'll never know it all. Even after 30 years of experience, guys learn something every day and embrace it. What's the last thing you, you learned, Matt? Um, that stands out. Man, Didn't have right to happen now. today. I mean put me on the spot now um <laughs> i've been i mean honestly i'm learning something that I, I do i learn something every day i can't think of what i've learned today specifically but you know i work for an owner's rep firm now so we you know, we manage the process on a higher level and so really you know you gotta before that i was a subcontractor and like you didn't you needed to know the nth degree of your trade right you need to know all those things. But now we need to see the big picture. So I'm always kind of learning something about how this thing goes together, how that thing to go together, because I didn't really experience, I didn't really care about that part of the project before. Um, so, I mean, it's just, there's so much out there. Like just a minute ago, we are talking about residential construction. I was like, man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that's a whole different sure. ball game. I don't even know. Like, you know, you're heavy civil, and that's a whole different ball game. I'm kind of helping out on a project that's, I won't call it heavy civil, it's minor civil. And, you know, it's, I'm used to reading architectural drawings, mechanical, uh, MEP drawings, those sort of things. And uh, I had to like retrain my brain to read civil drawings, right? Like roadway plans and stuff. I'm like, these lines don't make sense. And you gotta like almost retrain yourself on that again, <laughs> right? Cause you're used to seeing, seeing it look differently. And so, um, 
yeah, man, it's just every day is a new, a new experience. It, it, if you get bored easy like I do, um, construction industry is definitely one that can keep you on your toes. Yes, absolutely. Um, I really like number 21. Get your boots muddy. Set aside time each day to walk the project. Note the progress on your plans. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, that's just great for... I mean, I know a lot, some, some engineers get stuck in the office, right? I mean, they're just... Yeah. Whether it's getting stuck in the job site trailer or whether it's getting stuck in the corporate office, uh, they're just, they're just stuck there. Um, but, uh, I think it's really, I think it is really important to get out there and, and see, and we see companies, uh, you know, some of the larger companies like a Kiwit or somebody, um, someone like that, where they actually send their younger engineers out and have them work as a foreman, have them work as a superintendent. So they are, every day full on spending time out in the field. And, and so they understand it. They understand how things are built from that perspective, rather than just from a perspective where you're understanding schedules and cost reports and production, but not actually knowing what that production looks like from sun, sun up to sundown. That's um, I, I think it's so big. So I mean, it's it's unfortunate that so many sort of entry level people do get stuck in the office, whether it's in like the, the main office or in the job site office, and you know just process these submittals all day long, and they're just passing paperwork, right? They're not really learning anything. Um, they're learning how to use Procore or something, right? But like, okay, um, like when I went to work for a mechanical plumbing subcontractor, I, I knew project management, but I didn't really understand that trade. And so I would, at the end of the day, kind of after, as the crews would, you know, at the end of the day at four o'clock or whatever, when the crews would wind up and, or, or are winding up, I'd go out there, I'd take my drawings and just go, cause you know, you can look at two dimensional plans on paper and like you see ductwork that doesn't really tell you anything. Right. And so I'd go look at this and go like, look up at the ceiling and see how it going in and really start to kind of understand what the, what it looks like in real life on the paper. You know what I mean? Um, so I think you really got to do that to really start, you can start visualizing, you know, looking at wall sections. Like you see like a squiggle for insulation, you see this and see this, and it's just lines on a paper, but you almost got to actually see it going together to start visualizing the process. And then the, all right, what comes first? And you kind of actually see it happening. Otherwise, um, again, it's just lines on a paper and it's hard to, <laughs> you can't really plan and schedule if you don't, don't have the experience of how it all comes together. Um, the next one that really resonated with me was number 23, expand your network. There is real truth to the old saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. When did you learn, when did you learn that? Was that something you learned before, uh, like while you were still in college or before you went into college or after you got out? I probably learned that in the last 12 months, to be honest with you. Um, and really building this newsletter and podcast that's probably when I really learned it. Like you hear that saying all the time, right? You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But like when I started building this, uh, this newsletter and doing this podcast, like I've met so many awesome people and I've realized like, you know, just, you know, doors will open for you. If, like when you start knowing people and not only that too, right? Not only if you're looking to change jobs or change industries or whatever, but you start knowing more people, you, you expand that network of knowledge. Cause if I don't know anything about heavy civil, but I could like, Hey Taylor, I got a question on this for you. And like, you may not know it, but you may know somebody who knows it. Right. Otherwise I'm That's just right. Googling something. And if it's something I can't Google, I got to call a friend. Right. <laughs> so um, having more uh, friends to phone helps, you know, kind of helps that knowledge base too. And it can just help you, you know, if you're looking for a recommendation on something or, Hey, we got this contractor about to come on our project. You know, what do you know about them? What can you help me out? And just, you know, you need the more, you know, and, and you start building that network and those friendships, it can take you a long ways. We, uh, we are actually, by the time this podcast is published, which probably won't, will only be a, a week, maybe two out. Um, we, by that time, we, we should also be publishing a, um, we call them two minute Tuesdays. It's, uh, advice, it just advice for, for people in the construction industry. And the one specifically that we're focusing on is how to build your network. Like what, what, what should you do to build your network? 
And so we are sharing tips uh, for that and happy to, to share that with you too. And you can share that with your, your, um, your network yeah. um, on, on your, uh, through your newsletter blog and whatnot, if, if it's helpful, but um, I couldn't agree more with that. And that's why I thought it was so important. And that's, I mean, for the most part, that's essentially what I get paid to do, right. Is to build a network. That's, that is what I get paid to do. So I like to think I know a little bit about <laughs> the best way to go about it. Um, it's so, tough. Yeah. And it's, the whole world's changed too in the last few years where, you know, more people are susceptible or not susceptible or more likely to have, you know, I can, I've done so many uh, Zoom calls and Teams calls with people on the other side of the country. Um, actually, my co-host of the podcast, Kyle Grandel, he lives in Minnesota. I've actually never met him face to face. We've never shook each other's hands. But we've got to be real good buddies over the last few months um, to the point where like, man, we need to do something together, and which ended up being the podcast. But it was phone calls and Zoom calls and those sort of things and just chats and stuff and getting to know each other and those sort of things. So um, the Internet and especially after COVID and everyone like really embracing, especially in our industry where we're always behind the times on technology, um, COVID really forced a lot of, you know, the AC world to, to embrace you know, virtual meetings and those sort of things. It's really changed the game, I think. It has, it has. And, you know, I, I kind of thought for the most part that uh, there would, I thought, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't work as much on the CM side as I do the contractor side of the coin. But I, I did, I thought that there would be more of a silver lining when it came to contractors being open to certain positions um, continuing more of a hybrid or remote role. And uh, I would say that unfortunately, it, that's not exactly how it seemed to pan out, um, which is a shame because we saw so many employees got a taste of it and said, wow, I can do this and I really like it. And then it, you know, then they were forced to come back into the office. Um you know, daily, which, which we, speaking of which, you know, we also ran a poll a while back on um, how long commuting people commute on a daily basis in, in construction. And, and again, this is mostly contractors, but we found that uh, nearly a third uh, commuted between a 30 minutes to an hour and, um, and another third commuted uh, between one and two hours a day, which is quite a quite a lot of windshield time mm -hmm. when you're stacking that on a probably a fifty plus hour work week. Um, and that's actually another uh, another kind of two minute Tuesday that we're going to do is how to how to plan to use your commuting time to be productive. Although sometimes being productive can also be putting in your audiobook and de-stressing right it, that, yeah. that's what that's what i hear from so many people in the industry is like they're in a high stress job and the last thing you know often sometimes that commute is it's almost a blessing a time for them to kind of regroup before they come home to their family yeah um so uh not i'm not not suggesting by any means <laughs> that uh, that everybody should be on the telephone, you know, getting things done on their commute. Um, if, if, you know, self-care is very important, um, which is kind of one thing I wanted to kind of ask your opinion about Matt and, and your thoughts on what do you think is like going, I've always heard that, you know, especially in, on the civil side of the business, you know, where everything is, is almost everything is hard bid. I mean, we're seeing a lot more alternative delivery now, but when everything is hard bid, I, I, I had one, um, one person that I know said, you know, it's the race to the bottom is, is what he, he, how he described hard bid work. And I think it sets the tone for the long hours, the high stress, you know, you're always worried about trying to squeeze as much as you can for profit. And when it comes mm -hmm. down to it, most of the time you don't have a ton of control over your material cost, you, you know, your equipment cost. Um, and, and so when it comes down to it, where, where contractors seem to be able to, to squeeze and really get more out of their project is by putting loading more onto their employees. 
And that's usually their management, their exempt employees, not their hourly employees, right? Right. So what are your thoughts on, on what, like, what do you think can happen to make construction a better, more attractive place for the younger people, these young people to coming, you know, to, to, to attract them into construction? What doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, on the, on the field side or, or the office side or whether they have a degree or not, but just in general, what do you think's good? What do you think can happen to make construction a better industry to work in? I think we're about to, I don't know. I, my fuzz, my crystal ball is very fuzzy and I've made a lot of predictions and I've been wrong many times, but I think, you know, you see these stats, you know, obviously the baby boomers are retiring and there's about to be this mass exodus in the, in the industry. And um, I saw a stat sometime last year, I I forget the stat exactly, but it was by AGC, and it was like 91% of companies, like commercial construction companies, uh, can't find enough project managers. Um, like 91% of construction companies in the United States can't find enough project managers, and it's only getting worse. And so I think the companies that aren't running their guys ragged are going to be the ones where the people come and stay, and then the ones that are running the guys ragged, right, or you know, got them on five jobs spread thin because it's a hard bid job and they, you know, they got to make the profit, blah, 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 blah. I think those guys are going to dry up and go away or they're, they're going to have to adapt or grow, dry up and go away. Um, so I think the labor shortage is going to force people to, you know, because no one's going to want to work for the company where I'm working, you know, as an exempt employee working 60 hours a week with a four hour commute each day, right? Like way out of town and those sort of things. You know, you just live in your truck. Um, so, those guys are going to jump ship to go to the, the guys where they have a good, you know, work-life balance. Um, and I know, you know, it's, it's kind of stereotypical, but, you know, kind of the younger generations are rightfully so more interested in work-life balance, right? They don't get a lot of pride out of, you know, I think some of the older generations, and I may be, I don't want to be accused of ageism or anything like that, but I think some of the older generations kind of got pride out of like, yeah, I worked 80 hours this week. And like the younger generations aren't, aren't excited about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think it has changed significantly and and continues to. I mean, I guess I, I'm I'm a Gen Gen Xer, right? And but and I can even tell that you know it seems like millennials are think differently than than I do or have somewhat different core values often. Um, and I know that's pretty generalized, but um, but I definitely see that. And um, you mentioned, you know, that that work work life kind of balance or ratio, and and you know, in, in another poll that we ran, um, we asked what the biggest frustrations were in working constructions, and and hands down, at thirty eight percent were long hours, uh, followed followed closely by a second by thirty percent being high stress. Um, <laughs> Those are so, almost you know, the same answer, though. <laughs> they, 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 they sort of are, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, I came into the industry and, you know, I mean, we kind of joked about it, but it wasn't really a joke because it was true. I mean, it, it, you know, we called it the industry of heart attacks and, and divorce um, because so many of the people that we worked with were divorced or, and many of them had had a heart attack at one point or another. Um, and so I, I feel like something's got to give. And you, you take a look at the, you know, the construction um, industry compared to other industries when it comes to the rate of suicide too, is, is what's one of the, one of the highest. And, um, you know, uh, and th that's what I like about your, about what you guys are trying to do in your podcast and in your newsletter too, is you want to make the industry a better place to work. And that's what, what we want as well, you know, is to try to facilitate conversations where we, where people can share ideas because, uh, you mentioned that construct co contractors were pretty slow to, you know, evolve and accept new technology and things like that. And I, I feel like it's there. It's kind of the same on new ideas and different ways, or or to either do things or even view things and and changing the the whole kind of thought process that surrounds the industry. And one that I've been in for eighteen years, too. You know, it's not like I haven't been in it for for quite some time, but. Um, I, I do believe that, like you said, something's going to give and it, it'll be interesting to, 
to see because the short, yeah, the, the shortage of talent out there is, is massive and it's driving, I mean, good for employees, it's driving up salaries, right? Which is fantastic. Uh, you know, who doesn't want more money, but, um, but I, I haven't seen a huge shift in, in how many hours and, you know, the, the stress level that most that many people take on, but then you have on the other side of the coin, Matt, you, you, uh, you noted in the last, the last, uh, thing you, you mentioned on your 25 list of 25 is that you get to, to build cool stuff you built you, like, and I also listened to some of your podcast with, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to remember his name, the author that had written the book, the human, what was it? The human, oh, human side of construction, human side of the construction. Yeah. And talking, you know, about how projects that people are involved in, you know, it's not just a road, it's not just a hospital, it's not just a, a community center. Um, you know, these are really impacting people's lives all of the time um, and, and positively. And there's a lot to be said about being associated, you know, being part of that and, and providing that. And I think it's, that's, you know, I don't, I don't want people to think that uh, by listening to this podcast that I think the construction is just <laughs> a terrible place to work. You shouldn't do it. Just steer clear and run, run for the hills. I mean, it is, it is absolutely rewarding in so many ways um, as well. Uh, so I really liked um, that dimension of, of that is, is the last one on your list. And we'll definitely be sharing that list and uh, a link on the, of that list on our on our show notes. So you can check it out there as well as Matt's uh, newsletter and podcast link to construction Yeti. And um, yeah, I mean, Matt, do you have any, anything else that uh, you'd like to contribute or, or say? No, I mean, it's kind of like that last of 125. It's so easy to forget, right. With all the stress and the budgets and the deadlines and the, this and your generator is not going to show up on time because nothing shows up on time anymore. And, um, it's easy to forget, but yeah, it's like, you kind of take a step back and look like you're building a hospital. It's like, that was so impactful. That conversation we had with Angelo Suntrees, the author of, um, the human side of construction. It's like, he almost, he made me stop and think about it. I was like, Oh crap, man, you're right. Like these are impacting people's lives. Like people are going to go to these hospitals and these people are going to, you know, this is going to, children are going to be born here and you know, people are going to be, lives are going to be saved here. Like this isn't just a, just a building full of stress, like, which is when you're in 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 it sometimes you gotta take that step back and look at the bigger picture and be like man this is cool what we're doing um and sometimes you got to do that to kind of keep moving because it can get stressful and um so no i was just i was hopeful my list would you know kind of help a few people and i think it's helped hopefully more than a few people because it, it definitely went viral so i think it definitely resonated with people so Absolutely. Again, I, I think it's, it's brilliant. Um, I, that's how I initially discovered you, uh, was, I think that that list hit my feed. And when I saw it, I, um, I, I was like, it, it, yeah, I was just like, holy cow, this is brilliant. Everybody needs to see this. Um, so I, I really, and I know we didn't have time to hit on every one, but again, the, the link will be in our show notes and everybody will be able to see it. Um, I'll, I'll repost it too on LinkedIn, um, as well. So it'll be there and we'll send, try to send as many people your way over to construction Yeti for just that. more, more great conversation opportunities to learn and talk about the industry. Um, which is, again, I think we, we kind of share a common goal in regards to that. And, uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time away from, your family and work because Lord knows that's what we've just been talking about is not having enough time. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually surprised at, uh, that you're able to carve out the time to, to dedicate yourself to doing the newsletter and the podcast. I mean, that's, that's really amazing that you're able to do that. And, uh, and I appreciate it. And, um, so yeah, thank, thank you so much for, for everything. I mean, the, the podcast, the newsletters, uh, your advice and and taking time to to really put that together appreciate it taylor yeah come over to the Substack. uh we fill it full of memes and gifts and everything else that's like that because like a true millennial like i like my memes and my gifts so 
Um, <laughs> nobody has, I don't have time for another boring white paper. So I try to make it fun and exciting and try to make it at least not, at least not boring and suck. So um, even if you don't learn anything, maybe it puts a smile on your face. So that's kind of the point of it. But thanks for having Absol- me, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Matt. I'll, I'll roll my uh, Gen X self over there to the <laughs> Substack and and, ha- and have some fun. It sounds awesome. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Matt. We really appreciate it. And um, and yeah, and I look forward to just staying in touch with you as well in the future. Yeah, definitely. Thanks again, Taylor. Yep. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this episode of Digging Interesting. I will ask just one thing of you. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcast and guests. To connect with us, please email me at taylorm at hcrc.us. We want to thank everyone who contributes to the making of digging, including... Lucas West on sound design, Josh Roberts for the kick-ass music, and our clients for making it possible for us to fund this idea and make it a reality. And one last plug, if you're in need of exceptional talent capture in the heavy civil construction industry or consultation regarding the future of your career in the industry, please visit www.hcrc.us or contact us at 828-515-4272. Thank you, and we'll see you soon for the next episode of Digging.